I don't know about you, but when claims of criminal activity are being made and then reported in the media, I expect there to be some level of corroboration, some research by the reporter to ensure its veracity, some physical evidence, uh, maybe a report to the police. It doesn't seem too much to ask of our media. Or is it? So when anyone in the public domain receives something even close to a death threat or physical threat, we should all take it very seriously. Threats of physical harm are totally unacceptable. Even when they may be made to someone on the other side of a debate, they are totally unacceptable. They're always unacceptable. And I personally would do everything I can to assist in finding the perpetrators. Often they're just keyboard warriors hiding behind false profiles on social media, but sometimes they're open and upfront about their threats. Now, during the anti-smacking debate in 2006-2007, Sue Bradford received some death threats and we immediately condemned them. We didn't want the public to think that these types of threats were being made from anyone on our side. We didn't want any association with that type of behaviour. And then during the cannabis debate, we received lots of highly offensive emails. I've made these pretty small because some of them are pretty offensive. And the evidence of which we posted on our website, including one telling us to kill ourselves. There's the evidence. And we also referred a physical threat to the police. Uh, and there is the evidence of that one. Hard copy evidence. Now, we're pretty sure the Yes campaign weren't behind the threats. It would have been nice to have that confirmed and for them to condemn the behaviour. But if the media had called and was interested in corroborating our concern around death threats being received by us, well, there's the hard evidence. We're not making it up to play the victim card. This is a serious concern. And we've done what most people would do, inform the police. Uh, of course, the media didn't call. They weren't interested. Uh, here's another example. Recently, a death threat was made against National MP Simeon Brown. And note, he referred it to the police, as we all should and would. People who make threats like this need to be held accountable. Now, the reason I lay out this foundation for you is that the day after the conversion therapy law was passed, the New Zealand Herald published an article with the massive headline, Enjoy the victory. Activist calls for celebration despite death threats after conversion therapy ban. And the report by Tarina Trippinell of the New Zealand Herald said, The co-founder co and leader of End Conversion Therapy received death threats following the win yesterday to ban conversion therapy. The activist said this morning that they, well, uh, it's referring to one person, the Herald uh, are going with the preferred pronoun to be woke. Uh, so they awoke to a threatening message on the doorstep, a note which said, hang yourself. The activists told the Herald that after yesterday's success, they burned the note and sat back embracing the victory that has been long hard for instead. What wonderful cheerleading by the Herald reporter. But unlike Sue Bradford, Simeon Brown, Family First, this activist burnt the death threat. No police complaint, no physical evidence, but it was still a lead story on the Herald website with the accompanying large heading shouting about the death threats, plural death threats. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when serious claims like this are being made and then reported in the media, I expect there to be some level of corroboration, at least a complaint made to the police, some physical evidence. Is that unreasonable to expect that level of fact check in the media? I mean, the media love doing fact checking, but sometimes they don't. So we made a complaint to the Herald asking what efforts had been made to confirm the story. We asked what steps were taken to confirm the claim, what evidence was gathered, whether a complaint was made to the police, and if there was no evidence or formal complaint, why was this a key feature or even included in the story? And we also made the point that stories like this indirectly make those who oppose the bill look bad. In fact, we would argue that's the exact intended effect. Now, we say the story was based on a spurious claim. It should have been verified. Well, the Herald, as expected, rejected our complaint, and we went to the Media Council, and their response stunned me. Here's what they said in the process of dismissing the complaint. The Media Council, hold on, let's just go back to the right slide. The Media Council does not accept the complainant's case. The story has not been shown to be inaccurate. There is nothing to indicate that the person did not receive the note or that his word is in question. Well, actually, I would say no, there is nothing to indicate that the person did receive the note and his word on this is in question. But the next statement floored me. They said, the Media Council said, the fact that something cannot be corroborated does not prove it to be false or preclude it from being reported or put in a headline. Really? Try that argument in a court of law. Try that argument before a jury. I mean, does that mean that all news reports are potentially non-corroborated, made-up, sensationalist facts? Uh, by the way, this story was repeated in the Woman's Weekly, once again, without a fact check. Uh, and it says this, When the activist heard the news Parliament had passed the bill to end controversial conversion therapy in Aotearoa last month, not even a callous death threat could dampen the mood of the Auckland LGBT rights activist. While the activist and thousands of others were celebrating the milestone, someone wrote a note telling the activist to end their life before leaving it on the political commentator's doorstep. The activist bravely burnt the note and returned to celebrating. Bravely burnt the note. What? Didn't burn their fingers in the process? Look, let's be clear. Nobody, including this activist, should receive a death threat. It's zero tolerance. It's completely unacceptable. If it actually happened. And this is where a media we can rely on should have corroborated it in some way. But see, declining trust is reflected in research. In fact, like this recent report from AUT's Research Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy. They found that less than half of us trust the news overall and a little bit more trust, although not much more, with sites we regularly use. But a whopping 94% of us were concerned, either extremely, very or somewhat concerned, if you combine those top three concerned categories, with stories when facts are spun or twisted to push a particular agenda. And 90% were concerned about poor journalism, 
factual mistakes, dumbed-down stories, and misleading headlines. More than half, 55%, were extremely or very concerned about this. Look, I would like to be able to trust the media. But when the media says the fact that something cannot be corroborated does not prove it to be false or preclude it from being reported or put in a big headline, you can see why the media needs to change their mindset if they want to win our trust back. <laughs>